0: 6 p.m. and i want to welcome everyone to your iowa city city council meeting uh, here in city hall it is may 17th, 2022 and we're going to start with a roll call please
1: alter here. Burgess. here Burgess here harmson here taylor here teague here thomas here weiner here
0: all right well i hope everyone is enjoying the warm weather Not so hot, not so cold. We're going to start with item number two, which is proclamations. The first one is National Gun Awareness Day. Whereas every day, more than 110 Americans are killed by gun violence, alongside more than 200 who are shot and wounded. And on average, there are more than 16,000 gun homicides every year. And whereas Iowa has an average of 302 gun deaths every year, with a rate of 9.4 deaths per 100,000 people, and has the 42nd highest rate of gun deaths in the United States. And whereas support for the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens goes hand-in-hand with keeping guns away from people with dangerous histories, Whereas gun violence prevention is more important than ever, as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to exacerbate gun violence after more than two years of increased gun sales, increased calls to suicide and domestic violence hotlines, and an increase in city gun violence. And whereas in January 2013, hadia Pendleton was tragically shot and killed at the age of 15. And on June 3, 2022, to recognize her 25th birthday, people across the United States will recognize National Gun Violence Awareness Day and wear orange in tribute to Heidi Pendleton other victims of gun violence and the loved ones of those victims. And whereas the idea was inspired by a group of Heidi's friends who asked their classmates to commemorate her life by wearing orange they chose this color because hunters wear orange to announce themselves to other hunters when out in the woods and orange is a color that symbolizes the value of human life. And whereas anyone can join this campaign by pledging to wear orange on June 3rd, the first Friday of June in 2022 to help raise awareness about gun violence. And whereas we renew our commitment to reduce gun violence and pledge to do all we can to keep firearms out of the wrong hands and encourage responsible go- gun ownership to help keep our children safe. Now, therefore, I, Bruce Teague, mayor of Iowa City, do hereby proclaim the first Friday in June, June 3rd, 2022, to be National Gun Violence Awareness Day and encourage all citizens to support this their community's efforts to prevent the tragic effects of gun violence and to honor and value human life. And accepting this proclamation is Karen Greenleaf and Temple Hyatt on behalf of mom demands action.
2: Thank you to Mayor Teague and and the council for this uh, proclamation. Um, My name is Temple Hyatt and I'm a volunteer with Johnson County Group of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. Uh, I'm a veteran and I became a gun violence survivor when my nephew died by gun suicide. Gun violence uh, has increased when COVID-19 pandemic struck and those impacts continue to devastate our communities. 2021 was the deadliest, was one of the deadliest years on record for the United States with an estimated 20,700 people killed in gun homicides or non-suicide related shootings, a 6% increase over 2020. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the heinous act of hate in Buffalo, New York. I spent two hours on a call this afternoon uh, with fellow coworkers all across the country And they expressed sentiments of fear, disheartenedness. They were saddened. They were broken. Some of them felt numb, felt a deep heaviness. Some were paranoid, exhausted, and some just aren't surprised. Here in Iowa, black people are 16 times more likely than white people to die by gun violence. To our BIPOC community, to our black leaders, we see you, we love you. And I'm sorry that our country empowers white supremacy with easy access to guns. But as incidents of gun violence have grown so too has the movement to stop it. We continue to educate, raise awareness, organize, advocate, and rally for safer communities. This year we invite the community to our Wear Orange event on Saturday, June 4th at 2 p.m. at Weatherby Park. There'll be speakers, kids activities, and an opportunity to place a remembrance rock in the edible Gardens. We'll conclude with a peace walk through the neighborhood past the mural on Broadway, and into the diversity market at Pepperwood Plaza. Together, we'll work to make this country safe for everyone, from intimate partner violence to police violence, gun suicides, gun homicides, and unintentional shootings. We demand a bold plan that must address it all. Together, we can and we must build a future free from gun violence, thank you.
0: Thank you. Item 2B is National Police Week. Whereas in 1962, President John Kennedy set aside this week to pay tribute to the law enforcement officers of this nation and to memorialize those who had fallen in the line of duty. And whereas the police officers and their support staff in Iowa City work with courage and dedication to enforce the laws fairly, to reduce crime and violence, and in general to improve the quality of life for everyone in this community. And whereas the dedicated officers who have chosen law enforcement as a career often face unknown or extraordinary risk and dangers in preserving our freedom and security, And whereas these individuals are parents, siblings, children, and so we give gratitude to their families for supporting them in their career. And whereas officers of the Iowa City Police Department play a growing role as ones who promote harmony and mutual respect among community members in an increasingly diverse population, whereas as we wish to give everyone an opportunity to appreciate and thank the officers and support staff of the iowa city police department who dedicate their lives to public service now therefore i bruce teague mayor of iowa city do hereby proclaim the week of may 15th through the 21st 2022 to be national police week and iowa city and urge all community members to participate fully in this observance and further extend appreciation to our police chief, Dustin Liston, and the officers of the Iowa City Police Department, and to all law enforcement for their vital services they perform and their exemplary dedication to the community they serve. And to receive this is our very own police chief, Dustin Liston.
3: I'm Liston, Iowa City Chief of Police. Uh, I first want to acknowledge Mom's Demand Action for all the hard work you do. Uh, I'm honored honored to be here when when they're here. I think it's pretty appropriate. Um, I'd also like to thank the Mayor and City Council for your acknowledgement of National Police Week. I also want to personally acknowledge the officers of the Iowa City Police Department for the hard work they do. We've got a couple of them with us here today. Thank you for being here. The last two years have been exceedingly challenging for the entire country, but it's been specifically hard for law enforcement. Um, COVID-19 and the social unrest surrounding the murder of George Floyd um, have put an enormous strain on law enforcement. And while many in the country were able to stay home and work remotely, uh, men and women in law enforcement were not able to do that. So, uh, unfortunately, that didn't come without a cost. Since this pandemic began, over 600 law enforcement officers have lost their lives because of COVID alone. So we need to really acknowledge the sacrifice that has been made during the pandemic. I hope the community has noticed the positive changes the Iowa City Police Department have implemented to rebuild trust. Uh, With the guidance of the city manager's preliminary plan to accelerate community policing, we are well on our way to building a better relationship with the entire community as we continue to uphold the high standards that Iowa City has come to expect. So thank you for the acknowledgement.
0: Thank you. All right, we are on to items number three through seven, which is our consent calendar. Can I get a motion to approve our consent calendar, items three through seven, please?
4: So moved, Taylor.
5: Second, Thomas.
0: All right, would anyone from the public like to address any item that is on our consent agenda? If so, please step to the podium. And there is a sign-in sheet that you can sign. And we also have stickers that people can pre-sign and place in the basket at the podium. Welcome.
6: Welcome to you, City Council. Thank you for all that you do. Um, My name is Brandon Ross from Iowa City. Um, It's good that we have talk about violence. There's
0: been some bad things going on nationally uh, I want to make sure that you're speaking to something that's on the, that's on the consent calendar. Oh,
6: I thought you we'll said. We'll come
0: back to g- public comment. Oh, I thought Just, you said
6: public. So, yes. so did he. Sorry about that. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, oh, we did the same thing last time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a routine, uh, by the I, way. We work this up. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Anyone else want to address uh, an item that is on the consent calendar? Seeing no one. Council discussion roll call please
7: alter yes Burgess yes Harmson yes Taylor yes Teague yes Thomas yes Weiner yes
0: motion passes seven to zero item number eight is community comment Uh, this is an opportunity for folks to come up and speak about anything that is not on the council agenda Um, three minutes will be provided to each speaker And there's a timer down there, so keep watch on it. Uh, We will end our um, time today at 7 p.m., the latest. And also I ask that you keep your um, comments directed to the council. Welcome.
6: Thank you so much. Every time I come up here, you should tell me it's the wrong item. Uh, First of all, the gun violence uh, issue uh, is... uh, has been drawn to our international violence uh, issue Uh, Medea Benjamin of Code Pink uh, has often said that our international policy also reflects our domestic policy and that we tend not to negotiate we tend to shoot for some reason we are taught to do that. she would also encourage negotiations instead of conflicts militarily and she has in places like Iraq or Iran Afghanistan Libya Yemen Somalia Ethiopia Syria and other such places where people are starving from warfare uh, they're starving of they're they're, they're hungry they're uh, they're refugees and um, <clears throat> right now uh Ukraine would be the same situation instead of um, Instead of militarizing it, uh, sending $40 billion uh, worth of uh, weaponry, which we pay for uh, from our taxes, voted for uh, by all Democrats, three quarters of Republicans in uh, Congress, Uh, I believe that we should be negotiating and not sending those weapons. And that everybody here is responsible to communicate with President Biden, our senators, and our congressmen to encourage, I believe, uh, negotiations which would help uh, Ukrainian people not die in swaths uh, because half the people dying are are with U.S. military weaponry uh, going through NATO. uh, And also prevent uh, the horrible situation of a nuclear war. And I think we are on the brink right now and we want to support people in ukraine but we want to support everybody um i do believe that uh, it's a very complex situation with a long history uh the ukrainian crisis has been going on at least since 2018 uh, 2014 excuse me eight years and not all players you know in ukraine are good players not all players in Russia are bad players, not all players in the U.S. and NATO are good players. Uh, you know, Ukraine was found by international uh, Jewish organization to be the most anti-Semitic uh, in Eastern Europe in 2018 study. Also uh, high uh, incidence of violence against Roma people and LGBTQ people. There's it, it a lot of uh, rough stuff that is in Ukraine. At any rate, I I hope that all of you will use your telephones, your typewriters, and uh, please tell your Congress people and President Biden to stop and negotiate.
0: Thank you. Welcome, please state your name and city.
8: Hello, I'm Angie Jordan. I'm Iowa City, Iowa. All right, I'm gonna to stick to my script. Dear city councilors, mm-hmm. city staff, and public listening. On behalf of the team I'm on, um, as part of the Kearns and West proposal for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, we, Angie Jordan, V Fix and Annie Tucker, want to share publicly that we have paused we've paused on moving forward with the current proposal due to concerns we have as a team regarding specifically the current budget we want to remain local community members engaged through the trc's effort to bring truth and reconciliation to our community And at this time, within this pause, we are continuing to come around our roles we want to play in the process that brings more local entities and partners together around a shared vision to ensure lasting healing and lasting healing practices in our community. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Anyone else like to address And welcome.
9: Welcome. Uh, thank you, <laughs> Roy Samford, Iowa City. To City Council from the Black Voices Project, May 17, 2022. The Iowa City City Council created a Truth and Reconciliation Commission in fall 2020 and gave it a charge of fact-finding, truth-telling, and reconciliation. We are now approaching the summer of 2022, and in the last 18 months, this commission has yet to engage in any of this work. We laid these months of false starts and ill-conceived budgets directly at the feet of the City Council. You created this commission and selected volunteers to serve on it. You offered no structure or guidance for their work. You did nothing in the face of their clear floundering, misdirection, and misunderstanding of the charge you gave them. Even when some members initially felt empowered to rewrite that charge, you sat in silence. When we spoke to you in March of 2021, we noted what's your step that the lack of direction from the council resulted in a significant misunderstanding about the funding available to the commission. Your resolution 20-228 to create the commission clearly states that the city allocated funds for the resolution 20-159, initial commitments addressing the Black Lives Matter movement and system, systemic Racism in the wake of the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis police and calls for action from protesters and residents, which includes a variety of initiatives, among them the truth and reconciliation. And yet here we are 14 months later looking at a proposed budget even higher than the one you previously rejected. We were shocked to see the latest budget proposal from the TRC still enlisting an out-of-state company to facilitate the work, given that the Council has already rejected a budget based on this firm's work. We acknowledge that the new budget incorporates local community members into their plans, but we continue to question the exorbitant sum directed to the external firm. Our taxpayer dollars should not be lying in the pockets of high-priced consultants when we have members of our community who are prepared to offer their expertise and leadership. Our membership has deep roots in the Iowa City area and can say with confidence that an out-of-state firm will not be able to learn to earn the trust needed to engage the community in this work. And if they aren't doing the -the boots-on-the-ground work, they shouldn't be collecting the paycheck. We have many local community members, black and white, who have relationships with each other and deep ties to the community who will be trusted to lead the work of fact-finding, truth-telling, and reconciliation. It is no wonder that that the Commission has yet to produce any work or community engagement. You did this. You set them up to fail. We call on you to to admit your own missteps and apologize to the Commissioners for your lack of leadership. We further call on you to return to the drafting table and reconstitute a commission charged with fact-finding, truth-telling, and reconciliation with an emphasis on Thank local you. voices and leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Welcome.
10: Hi. Um, my name is Dan Cobble and I'm from Iowa City. Um, I would just like to first say um, publicly thank the members of the TRC for all the hard work that they've done, and um, anybody who's been paying attention knows that they've been engaging with the community and working at their butts off to make the community a better place. And any shortcomings that they have for folks who've been paying attention are directly, directly attributable to the city council not helping them. As for comments about an out of state organization that they want to come and help, we're talking about a world renowned organization that will help make the, the the our community a great place. Now, um, regarding the Iowa City Police Department, earlier tonight the city council um, recognized National Police Week and uh, the, the members of the City Council like to think that they're very progressive. Y'all aren't, I'm just gonna say that. Because um, on the one hand, you talk about, oh, we're making Iowa City a welcoming place. On the other, you enable the police to abuse children, um, mentally disabled folks, and um, talking about how great our police department is, and the chief was talking about all the improvements that they've made. We're Iowa City police are no different than they were before 2020. Um, anybody who's may been paying attention is aware of that, whether it's arresting um, uh, um, a child with, um, who's differently abled for touching a traffic cone, or beating suspects up and being captured on videotape doing so. Iowa City Police have not made the change. Furthermore, the city council continues to enable them. This is evident from the way you all don't even move a finger with um, the way that the police department uses armored vehicles to just other issues regarding their personnel and also more specifically the CPRB. Now recently you uh, you were voting for people to be on the CPRB And um, several candidates, uh, most notably Yasmina Salih, were rejected by the council because they expressed abolitionist beliefs. Now, that's very interesting to me, given that the same council and the same people who explicitly um, rejected Yasmina for abolitionist beliefs were also enthusiastically saying, hey, we should have former officers on ICPD on this board. I mean, anybody who pays attention to the functionings of CPRBs knows the presence of former officers, especially officers who have been within that same department, hinders the functioning of CPRBs. Now, I mean, I just hope that the council does what it takes to help protect the community from ICPD. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Welcome.
11: Hello. Uh, my name is Noah, as y'all know. Um, so the three of y'all that did respond to my emails, I will get back to you. I've been in a deep depressive state, so it's not really, not really been mentally capable of responding, but I will respond to you shortly. Uh, to the four of you, John, Laura, Pauline, Janice, you didn't bother to answer my email, and that's really disrespectful, and you get mad at me if I come in here and break your rules, but you can't even talk to me outside of meetings. Make it make sense. You can't make it make sense. To Jeff and Redmond, uh, do, do y'all just like not, well, I know you don't, why don't you respond to emails yourselves? Just showing your whole ass. Um, and to the comments that you, your proclamation that you started me meet up with uh, thanking ICPD for, I don't know what, uh, harassing the houseless community, arresting healthless community, demonizing houseless communities, that's what ICPD does they don't help them. I I mean, I've talked to officers. they just say that, there's very disturbing stuff about them. I say that they don't want help or whatever, like as if like that's just saying like people I uh, just, ICP does not know how to interact with the healthless community at all and they don't view them. I, I, I don't understand. You, you, oh, they're not here anymore. Oh, well. Um, it's just like, like he said, like you all like to, to call yourself progressives, but you fully support the cops that gas people in the street and harass and <laughs> the houseless community and assault everyone else, not everyone, but lots of other people. Um, it's just really insulting that you, that you would do that. And uh, the chief, to, when he accepted your proclamation saying that the struggles, ICPD has struggled because of the George Floyd uprising when ICBD was the ones that gas and attack protesters that were nonviolently standing in the street and nothing's been done to fix the culture in the department since then. I mean, when people ask, like when I ask for videos of complaints, the city lies about what state code does and doesn't allow to be disclosed. I'm not really sure what the else to say, so I'm just going to end with this. Fuck ICPD.
0: Thank you. Anyone else like to address an item that is not on the agenda? Hi. Welcome.
12: Thanks for welcoming me. Um, Phil Ricks, I'm in Iowa City. Um, and I I'm I was wanting to speak today about um, some talk that's going... I live on the north side neighborhood, and there's some talk going on about whether or not to keep the one-ways or get rid of the one-ways. And I just want to put my um, support behind retaining the one-ways as they are. Um, there's a questionnaire being sent around. Um, I, f- I think the questionnaire is a little bit biased in favor of removing the two ways. I think that questionnaire could have been written a little bit better. Um, but I think just in general, living on Dodge Street is pretty tricky because we have, we're have a highway exit, and it's a one-way. And so there's certain sections of the town that have alleys and certain sections that do not. If you live on Dodge Street and don't have an alleyway like I do, it can take a while to get out in the morning. Um, but if I were dealing with two-way traffic, it would take arguably twice as long potentially even longer if I'm looking at traffic going two ways you know when there's a gap in one way then maybe there isn't a gap in the other way um, I don't think it's super inconvenient to live on one ways um, I don't think it's hard the questionnaire compares it to navigating a maze which is hyperbolic at best I mean, If anything, what we need are some street signs that say wrong way for the people that are going the wrong way. I notice it because, you know, I've been living there for almost 10 years now. I mostly notice people going wrong way. It's like game days, weekends, things like that. You know, it's out-of-towners and stuff. So if we can make our signage clearer, um, I think it'll be a lot easier for people to get around. Um, And I think, you know, especially when you think about north of Brown Street on Dodge there, most of the folks there are lower income and also don't have alleyways, so the idea that we're going to you know change them to both is just going to make it really inconvenient for everybody who doesn't you know live on an alleyway already. Of course, if you do, you know there's you can get in and out, you can kind of pull in your driveway, turn around. Um, but for me, I always have to back out just one way. I don't really mind it. Um, what I would mind is um, having to take more than twice as long to get out, so. Nothing earth-shattering here about, you know, nuclear war or all the various other problems that we have nationally and internationally. Just a guy living on a street trying to keep it that one way. So thank you for taking the time. I know it's not the most significant thing, but I also know it's something that is really within your grasp. So I wanted to at least put that out there, and thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. I'm going to have you sign in right there, please. I already did. Oh, you did. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Put it on
12: the sticker and on the things. Thank you.
0: Anyone else like to address a topic that is not on our agenda? Welcome.
13: Thank you. Um, good to see you all. Um, so, dear city councilors, city staff, and community members, Angie Jordan, and V. Fixmer arrays and I came together to approach the TRC about the possibility of using circles for healing as part of the truth and reconciliation process. And um, we provided some circles for folks who were involved in the community, and some of the TRC members, and some of the um, BVP members, and uh, people found them people came out and felt like they were calmer, they connected with people that they'd known for a few years and different levels. So that was a, a worthwhile experiment. Uh, in the meantime, with the help of TRC Commissioner Sakawas, we've been in contact with three Native American folks who are willing to work on this process within the TRC process to provide something that is consistent with indigenous practices that Iowa city Iowa City community members can benefit from, so we're really looking forward to that possibility and as as Angie said earlier, we've recently put our work with Kearns and West on pause we' cons- we have some concerns about their budget and we are consulting so we're going to continue to work to encourage local organizations and community members to be involved in the truth and reconciliation process so that the important local work can be done, the hearing of the truths of our community members and the healing that is possible. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Anyone else like to address a topic that is not on the council agenda?
1: we do have one online
0: I don't see a hand raised Oh, let me see something here. Is there a hand raised? Okay.
1: Taylor Khan.
0: Welcome, Taylor.
14: Hi there. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can.
14: Hi, um, I just wanted to point out uh, in light of your police proclamation um, that in a couple of weeks on June 3rd, it will have been exactly two years since your police department attacked a group of protesters who are protesting for um, racial justice in your community. Um, and uh, we've seen by, you know, by today's proclamation and other things that um, you never intended to make good on anything you said after that event happened. You always intended to hold off the um, unrest in the city until you could ignore it again. Um, And so I just want to speak to anyone listening um, in the community and um, just, uh, uh, just, point out that nothing has changed in Iowa City's police department, and Iowa City's police department is not better than the Minneapolis Police Department. I currently live in Minneapolis, and um, I was really disgusted to hear the chief invoke the name of George Floyd. If you talk to people here, especially black people here, they are absolutely sick of people invoking that man's name in bad faith to reform the system, to preserve the system, to protect the system that killed him. It is disgusting. And another thing you'll hear if you talk to people here? Is that all cops are Derek Chauvin? The problem in the Minneapolis Police Department was not one cop, it was the entire system, and it was the city that supported it, and it was the nonprofits that supported it. There is an entire system here, and there is a similar one in Iowa City. You recently fired at an officer who violently assaulted someone. I apologize. In the video of Batman's arrest, you see other officers standing by and letting it happen. And that is the problem. It is not just one officer. You cannot solve this problem by just getting rid of the one who got caught. They all support the system. They are all violent. So I I would just ask, because I know that it's wasting breath to talk to you, the city council, um, I'm just asking the community to keep that in mind. And, um, yeah, I'm really, as always, disgusted with, with Iowa City on this issue. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Anyone else like to address this topic? Or address an item that is not on our agenda? Seeing no one, I'm gonna close the community comment. We're gonna move on to item number nine, which is planning and zoning matters. 9A, zoning code amendment, private utilities in P1 zones. This is an ordinance amending Title 14 Zoning Code to allow private basic utilities uses and P1 zones to standardize the public zone section and to amend basic utility approval criteria. I'm gonna open the public hearing and I'm gonna welcome Kirk Lehman.
15: Thank you, Mayor. Kirk Lehman, Associate Planner and Development Services. Uh, Tonight we're talking about the zoning code amendment to allow private utilities and p1 zones so just to give some background i wanted to start by talking about p1 zones and basic utility uses and then work up from there so the p1 zone is the neighborhood public zone that is the zone that is used by the city the county the school district and typically it's used uh, to show local public ownership uh, and public use of land so Even though that's its primary use, that's been its historical use, it does allow some private uses, uh, either provisionally, which is by staff review, or by special exception, which is by the review of the Board of Adjustment. Now, basic utility uses are allowed in P1 zones if they are publicly owned, but it does not allow them if they are privately owned. Uh, And basic utility uses, to to take a step back, are public or private infrastructure services that must be near the area where the service is provided. So like I said, public utilities are allowed in public zones, but private utilities are not. Uh, They are also allowed in most other non-residential zones, uh, again, either provisionally or by special exception. So depending on uh, which zone you're in, there are some different criteria. So I just wanted to briefly touch on those as well. So the more restrictive one uh, is in most commercial zones, in research park zones, uh, in RFC and some interim development zones, uh, they are allowed provisionally. So again, without Board of Adjustment review, uh, if they're enclosed in a building, that also contains another use allowed in the zone. So if it's a standalone use, it uh, can't use that provisional permit. Uh, similarly, water and sewer uh, pumps or lift stations are also allowed provisionally if they're approved through a separate process like site plan review uh, or, or subdivision review. Now, if you have either an unenclosed use or a use that doesn't have another use that's allowed in the zone within the building, Uh, then it requires a special exception in those zones. Uh, That requires some additional standards, including screening, including compatibility with adjacent uses, and it has to meet general approval criteria that all special exceptions must meet. So it's pretty general stuff, things like consistency with the comprehensive plan, things like uh, effects on neighboring properties, utilities, uh, all of that sort of stuff. Now, industrial zones also allow Uh, basic utility uses and they're a bit more generous in their standards So they are provisionally allowed if you're 200 feet from a residential zone and you have some screening If you can't meet that standard you require a special exception using the same uh, standards as commercial zones Uh, But generally it's a more permissive uh, way of doing things Uh, when it comes to public zones There are no standards that are associated with them for public uses Uh, but what we are proposing Uh, is to allow private based utility uses in the public zone similarly to as they're allowed in a commercial zone. So that would require, uh, if it's enclosed, uh, it would be allowed provisionally. If it's unenclosed, it would require a special exception review by the Board of Adjustment. Uh, There are also some additional standards that are being modified through the proposed amendment. And a lot of them are kind of code cleanup because the public zone is unusual and that it's focused on ownership rather than on use. So one of the standards that it's proposing to revise is to strike the standard requiring an enclosed utility to have another use allowed in the zone uh, within that same building. So what we've seen, uh, the picture there is an Imon utility hub. What we see is that often you have an enclosed use, it's relatively small, it doesn't have much of an impact, but it requires a special exception because it's a standalone utility use as a private utility. And so what we're looking at doing is striking that provision, which would allow administrative review of enclosed utilities within those zones. uh, And you would instead rely on the existing standards that that guide all uses in that zone, uh, seeing as an enclosed use is very similar to any other use that you would have in the zone. And then finally, it does harmonize. Some changes to the public zone section that try to bring it more in line with other zone sections. So that includes adding a use table, which the public zone does not have because it's unique. Uh, It adjusts the language regarding uh, purpose and public ownership Uh, and then it also, uh, with some of these changes, tries to move the public zone to be more aligned uh, with other zones that you see in our zoning code with a use-based form rather than an ownership-based form. In terms of the analysis staff conducted uh, to to come to these conclusions to to review the impacts, uh, what you see before you is a map included in the staff packet. Uh, The red zones are commercial and research zones, which are the more restrictive zones that allow basic utility uses. The purple zones are those industrial zones, which are a bit more permissive, but they still allow basic utility uses. And if you look at the map, you'll see that there are large areas of the city that don't allow basic utility uses, um, including all residential zones. Uh, The map also shows P1 zones in blue. And so you'll see that those are a bit better dispersed throughout the city. And that's one of the reasons why staff is recommending this change, is because there are gaps within our current system, uh, which is especially noticeable in developing areas, uh, especially to the the south, the southwest, the east, and it can really become a a problem when you're expanding infrastructure into those areas and there aren't commercial zones that are prepared for that. Uh, So the the P1 zone uh, would would be added to that, as you see in this map, which would provide better geographic distribution in addition to some other benefits. Uh, we also looked at what other cities are doing with regards to how they regulate utilities. Um, Des Moines and Cedar Rapids do allow basic or allow utility uses in all zones, either as a permitted use, if it's a minor uh, utility, or with a conditional approval, which requires Board of Adjustment approval. But that's in all zones. And Davenport administers it differently, where private and public utilities are actually exempt from zoning, and they follow a different process uh, to permit it through the, the uh the uh, city engineer so that, that one's a little different uh, but typically what you see in other cities is the higher level of impacts uh, the more standards that come into play the more review that you have like the board of adjustment so it's somewhat similar to what we do with with enclosed and unenclosed but they distinguish between minor and major utilities uh, but because they can allow basic utility uses in all zones it does avoid some of those issues that we face with gaps in our in our current zoning where it's not allowed so Some of the reasons that we wanna do this, like I said, it opens up those additional areas for uh, basic utility uses. uh, And it uses standards similar to the commercial zones. The staff doesn't anticipate uh, any substantial impacts from this. But there's also an additional benefit that when you have a new area that's being brought into the city, uh, if you need to accommodate basic utility uses, you would have to zone it commercial currently, which may not be compatible with surrounding land uses, especially if that use moves in the future. So the proposed amendment would allow that to be zoned public instead, uh, which, if that moved in the future, is a much more restrictive zone than what would be allowed. So it would avoid some of those conflicts that might arise otherwise. Um, But that's one of the additional benefits. In terms of its consistency with the comprehensive plan, many of the goals... uh, are broad, they're focused on growth and infrastructure, less so on the specific placement of basic utilities, but really what they're prioritizing is uh, investment in areas that are best served by current and planned infrastructure with really the goal of having um, high levels of service at the most efficient cost possible. So most of the strategies in the comp plan that are related to utilities are along those lines, including focusing on infill, uh, focusing on contiguous development. Uh, And with the proposed amendment, Uh, It does improve coordination of public and private utilities and that private utilities would be allowed uh, on public land potentially or in a public zone Uh, and it does also provide greater flexibility in placing those services so that you can make sure that they end up in the place that uh, has the the most efficient services, the highest highest level of service at the most efficient costs. So in terms of next step, uh, should the proposed amendment be approved, uh, if If a private utility wanted to use this amendment uh, in an existing zone, it would require uh, either staff review if it's enclosed within a building. If it's not enclosed within a building, it would require review by the Board of Adjustment. Uh, And then there would also still be uh, your typical staff reviews like site plan review and building permit review uh, at later stages as the developments progress. So based on review of uh, this criteria and the anticipated impacts the proposed change staff does recommend the proposed change to the zoning code text uh, and at its April 20th meeting the planning and zoning commission uh, by a vote of 7 to 0 concurred with staff's opinion and also recommended uh, the approved change. Uh, We did get some public comment as part of that PNZ meeting. MidAmerican Energy actually came and spoke, and they had some slight revisions to the language that they wanted to see, uh, but ultimately the Planning and Zoning Commission didn't believe that that language was necessary uh, to achieve the goals. Um, And with that, that that, uh, concludes my presentation for this. So if you have any questions about the proposed amendment, uh, I'm happy to answer them.
16: Is there ever um, land that is zoned P1 that isn't owned by the city?
15: Yeah, so land owned by the county or school district are also zoned P1. Typically, you do not see private ownership, except in some cases, such as private communications transmission facilities are allowed in P1 zones. I think most of those are zoned commercial, but they can be P1. Uh, Agricultural uses are also allowed as are solar, uh, solar utilities utility scale solar excuse me thank you
5: with with that being the case did you discuss this with the school district and the county
15: this was not discussed with the school district and county
5: but it's possible that these utility facilities may be located on on their properties
15: if they opened up their land to utilities it could be allowed Yeah.
0: yeah only with their permission right Mm mm-hmm I have questions related to, um, since this is for private, this is a private company, we don't know who, uh, that want to come and do something, is there a price or is associated with that and can you speak to that?
15: Sure, so it would be the same as as the use of any public land so it would come before council and i think eric might be able to speak a bit better to that right again to kind of
7: echo just point this would only be with the permission of the property owner be it the city the county the school district the university um, they would be free to negotiate whatever price they want much like we in the past have negotiated uh, cell phone tower antennas on top of our parking ramps that kind of thing and if the uh, public entity does not wish for the private utility to be present they can just say no and be done
0: I think you're good, thank you. Thanks. Anyone from the public like to address uh, this topic? If so, please come forth to the podium. I can't see anyone online. Okay, great. Seeing no one, I'm gonna close the public hearing. Did I get a motion to give first consideration?
5: So moved, Thomas.
1: Second, Weiner.
0: And council discussion.
5: Makes sense to me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does seem we just don't have enough um, lands uh, available for these facilities. And sure. So, the best distributed lands we have in in the city would be the the public lands to kind of fill in those gaps. Um, and then I think, as we just we just heard staff note it, it's with the permission only anyway. So it it does seem there's controls on. On, on the distribution in sure. that way as well. Yep.
0: All right, roll call please.
7: Burgess? Yes. Harmson. Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Alter? Yes.
0: Motion passes seven to zero. Item nine B is zoning code amendment, drinking establishments, ordinance to amend title 14 zoning regarding drinking establishments. I'm gonna open the public hearing. And I'm going to invite Kirk Lehman back again.
15: Thanks. Still Kirk Lehman, Associate Planner with (laughs) Development Services. This time talking about drinking establishments. So to start, uh, I'd like to just take a step back since uh, this started in 2009 uh, when the city established its 500-foot minimum separation distance between drinking establishments within the city. Uh, The purpose of that was to combat uh, an overconcentration of these uses downtown, uh, which Also uh, can lead to alcohol overconsumption, underage drinking and nuisances, and so the goal was really to crack down on on some of those activities that we saw. However, in 2013, uh, the city restricted that a little bit more, so it wasn't citywide. Instead, it was just focused on the University Impact Area and the Riverfront Crossings Area that you can see in your map there. Um, the change was mostly due to economic impacts that were unexpected uh, in businesses in the outside, and those areas weren't really where we were seeing the biggest problems, and so really focusing down the, the standards uh, to where those problems were the greatest. Now, if there was an existing drinking establishment, it is allowed to continue uh, until the use lapses uh, and the liquor license is discontinued for the period of a year. Uh, it also does restrict expansions of of these non-conforming drinking establishments, except for specifically listed circumstances in the code. Uh, for example, rooftop cafes were allowed in 2015, sidewalk cafes are allowed as, and not not called an expansion. There are some expansions to kitchens that you can do, for example. Uh, so there are some expansions, but they're very limited in what what can be expanded. Uh, in Last year, the city uh, again adjusted this slightly for the Tailwinds project, which was downtown on the Ped Mall. It's part of a historic preservation project and and, uh, uh, adjacent a residential tower. So that amendment changed it so that uh, a non-conforming drinking establishment may continue if there hasn't been uh, an economically viable business substitute uh, within that building and it has to be in a a local uh, historic building. So it is a very specific standard uh, that was made to enable this project to move forward uh, with a reunion brewery that's proposed uh, for a certain space uh, in that building. And so this proposed amendment is a continuation of that tailwinds project. Uh, and specifically, it's looking at uh, 11 or 111 East College Street and 115 East College Street. So 111 is where that proposed reunion brewery is downtown. Uh, That is allowed to move forward, but what they're asking is for a door into the adjacent space to the east, which is going to be a sales-oriented retail use uh, with merchandise, for example. Uh, And typically a door like that would be considered an expansion. So this proposed amendment uh, would allow that to move forward with a door between the two spaces. And just to give you a better idea, because it's hard to describe with words, uh, you can see the map up there, the Dooley Block Building to the west uh, and the Sears Building, the 1929 Sears Building, are the two where the Reunion Brewery is currently planned. The Dooley Block Building to the east, highlighted in red dashed lines, uh, that is the proposed sales use, and so there would be a door between that proposed Reunion Brewery uh, and the proposed sales next door. So the amendment itself makes a couple different changes. Uh, the first is which to, is, is which uh, excludes a door between a drinking establishment and a sales-oriented retail use from being classified as an expansion. So like I said, normally that would be considered an expansion. Uh, in this case, it would be excluded from that. And then second, it establishes some criteria about what would be required for that to be exempt from being uh, an expansion. So first, the door must be ADA compliant and match the same fire-resistant rating as the wall. Second, a notice must be posted for patrons that they cannot carry their uh, any alcoholic beverage into the adjacent building. Uh, and then third, uh, the owner must provide staff to monitor that. And if there are repeated violations of open container laws, uh, then the the fire or excuse me, the chief of police may permanently close that door. So again, as you can tell, this is a very narrowly focused amendment, um, and sales-oriented retail uses are not allowed to have a liquor license for on-premises consumption, so there is no way for for someone to to work around that and try to make it so that you can have people carrying alcohol into the store. Uh, That being said, alcohol may be sold at at that store as an accessory alcohol sales, um, as long as it's less than 25% of the total sales. and that's only for off-site consumption. So there is possible to have alcohol at that store, they would have a liquor license, but it wouldn't be for on-site consumption. And then again, I wanted to reiterate that the police chief does have authority to close that door if there are violations. So in terms of consistency with the comprehensive plan, uh, the plan does encourage the retention and expansion of businesses in Iowa City, and it seeks to attract businesses that have growth potential. It also encourages new businesses in the core of Iowa City, uh, and all of these goals, staff believes, uh, are being furthered by the proposed amendment. So, in terms of next steps, then, uh, if the zoning amendment uh, is is adopted then it would go to building permit review and also liquor licensing review, which are both staff processes. So based on a review of relevant criteria and the anticipated impacts of the proposed change, staff recommended the proposed changes to the zoning code text and at its April 20th meeting, uh, by a vote of six to zero, the Planning and Zoning Commission concurred with staff's opinion and also recommended approval. Uh, and with that, that concludes staff's presentation and happy to answer any questions.
0: So I'm assuming there's no current establishment that has a similar, uh, setup in the city of Iowa city or, and I'm, I'm referring to the entire city.
15: Are, are you referring to a non-conforming drinking establishment or to one with a door into a sales oriented retail? yes that
0: uh, <laughs> the not, ladder
15: no not that we're aware of or at least not within the 500 foot rule where that would not be allowed so university impact area or riverfront crossings mm-hmm.
17: so really this zoning actually just to go full circle this zoning is very specific to a particular area because it has
15: that 500 that is correct
17: um and while you called this, this is, it's pretty narrow, narrowly focused, but I'm thinking of, and this is going to date me, but something like Hard Rock could come in, have their restaurant, and then, I mean, this is something that other places could, could take advantage of, potentially, right? If somebody came in and wanted to open a, rest, or a bar, right, but then have, like, all their merchandise and stuff, they could come in conceivably and, and do that within this impacted area
15: so within this area you would not be able to have a new business established unless it was replacing an existing non-conforming drinking establishment okay. Okay. so it so it's conceivably an existing non-conforming drinking establishment could have a door into an adjacent sales oriented retail but, it's just, but it those, must those
17: actual stage. opportunities
15: are fairly limited is what
17: you're saying because of the non-conforming that There's is correct not that many of them
15: and drinking establishments, I, I didn't mention this, but drinking establishments are any, any eating or drinking establishment that is, has a liquor license for on-site consumption and is open past midnight. So you could also have a restaurant that does this that closes at midnight, and that would not be a drinking establishment. Those, those establishments would be exempt from this. So you, if it closed at midnight, it, it is conceivable that that could happen, but that could happen now anyway.
0: All right, thank you. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? <coughs> Seeing no one online or in person. I wanna just uh, get head nods from council if they're inclined to vote with this before I close the, all right, I'm gonna close the public hearing. Could I get a motion to give first consideration please? I'll
4: so move Taylor.
1: Second, Alter.
0: All right, council discussion.
1: Just, I mean, I, I presume this is gonna go forward. It's just it's just sort of odd to create ordinances that are aimed specifically at one business. It's like, a, like they're almost like your little special interest ordinance. I have nothing against the union brewery, nothing. It's just sort of, when we're thinking about general policies that there's something that just, Rubs me the wrong way about doing like the ordinances that are really only for for one specific business. Um, I understand why it's happening. Still, it,
18: it, if I if I may add, it, it is. I mean, I think you have the right feeling. I, um, I often tell people the 500 foot rule is a very imperfect solution to a very complex problem, and um, unfortunately, in my view, at least um, in in iowa cities don't have much control over liquor licenses so we had a situation in the in the 2000s in which the overconsumption kind of atmosphere that we had was creating all kind of negative externalities downtown and really forcing other businesses out retail office and and causing a problem and ideally the simplest thing to do is be able to regulate liquor licenses okay. and for those Businesses contributing to the problem in some way, shape, or form, um, you revoke that liquor license, you suspend it, you correct that activity. We can't do that. We really struggled with that um, historically, as as all cities do. And so you start to look to imperfect solutions, which is the five hundred foot rule, and um, it, it's um, it, it's just a tool that uh, ha, has worked okay for us. But we occasionally have find where I would say i would argue some common sense fixes like this you know in, in this case you're just creating retail space for, for it. i don't think that goes against the intent of the five hundred foot rule mm-hmm. um, you know we found success by doing the the rooftop solution as well and cafe solution so sometimes you have to get that scalpel out and say yes this makes sense and it'll be good for the overall downtown um, but uh... It is a bit awkward and i would expect that we might continue to you know to to look at these minor changes as um we work in um in a in a downtown that has a lot of old buildings that don't have a lot of flexibility you sometimes have to get a little bit more creative on the on the code side to accommodate new ideas
1: that context is very helpful thank you
19: and i think this does a nice job of maintaining the whole purpose behind the of the 500 separation and helping increase retail downtown so so that uh, seems to uh, jumps out at me as, as some real positives for
0: this proposal all right roll call please harmton yes taylor
7: yes teague yes thomas yes weiner yes alter yes Fergus,
16: yes
0: motion passes seven to zero item number nine c is preliminary plat and sensitive areas plan of Sand Hill Estates, Part 5. Resolution approving the preliminary plan and sensitive areas plan of the Sand Hill Estates, Part 5 subdivision, Iowa City, Iowa. Could I get a motion to approve, please?
1: So moved, Weiner. Second, Burgess.
0: All right, then we're gonna invite Kirk back up.
15: Thank you, Mayor. Kirk Lehman, Associate Planner, Development Services. We are talking about Sand Hill Estates Part 5, uh, which was a preliminary plat submitted by Hall & Hall engineers on behalf of Prairie Heights Land, LLC. Uh, The area is south of Weatherby Park and east of Covered Wagon Drive, as you can see in the map here. And it is a 8.88-acre subdivision uh, with 18 residential lots uh, and one outlot for stormwater management. So this is a continuation of the Sand Hill Estates subdivision which was originally approved in 2004, uh, which includes land to the uh, southwest and to the the northwest. It was a pretty large area, uh, 379 lots, approximately 120 acres, and it was rezoned uh, to OPD RS5. So it was part of a planned development overlay. Um, the most recent subdivision, uh, it has been subdivided several times since then. We're obviously on part five now, but the most recent subdivision was completed in 2016. So it's been an ongoing process uh, as this neighborhood has developed. The current preliminary plat, uh or excuse me, Sandhill Estates required that plan development overlay due to sensitive features that were on the site. So there was a need for conservation, cluster design, and 17.4 acres of open space, Uh, were dedicated to the city, uh, which is now called San Prairie Park, as part of that process. Uh, The OPD also allowed some narrower lots, which allowed the protection of that, uh, while still allowing development of the area. Uh, With that 2004 zoning ordinance, there was also a conditional zoning agreement. Uh, It has four conditions. I'll get into those a bit later. Uh, But there's only one that still uh, applies to this subdivision. So you can see the actual plat uh, on your screen right now. With the 18 lots and single outlot. So preliminary plats are reviewed by three general criteria. The first of which is consistency with the comprehensive plan. That includes the South District plan, of which this is a part. So the comprehensive plan shows this area as being two to eight dwelling units an acre, uh, and it encourages an interconnected system of open space with wide sidewalks and trails. Uh, it also includes compact and connected neighborhoods and safe and uh pedestrian-friendly streets. Now, the South District plan, that was, uh, it's a part of the comprehensive plan. It was recently updated in 2021 and with amendments to incorporate form-based land use districts. Uh, That shows this area as being transect three neighborhood edge. And so you'll notice that they're still using their existing RS5 zoning. Uh, They are not using the form-based uh, standards or the form-based zones for their development, uh, primarily because this is a continuation of an existing neighborhood, uh, so they're using the existing zoning of the rest of that neighborhood. Uh, the RS5 is is roughly uh, proportional to what you see in terms of allowed uses in a T3 neighborhood edge zone, uh, but staff does anticipate that future development in the area uh, will comply with those form-based uh, future land use categories. So generally the preliminary plat uh, is consistent with the current zoning uh, and it does also incorporate some other aspects that you see in the plan, uh, such as sidewalk and street connections uh, that encourage connectivity and pedestrian friendly streets and support other goals. Now, moving on, conditional zoning agreement is that second uh, criteria by which we review preliminary plats. So in this case, we're looking at the 2004 uh, conditional zoning agreement that was approved Uh, There are four conditions. The first uh, has already been addressed, which is adding a left turn lane to the southbound South Gilbert Street. So that has already been built. Uh, The second two are related to specific lots within the subdivision. Uh, Those are in a different part, uh, and they're related to design criteria and to narrower lots uh, requiring alley access, and that was part of what allowed the preservation of that prairie. Um, Those don't apply to this Uh, preliminary plat, however, and so that leaves one, which is that for lots less than 60 feet in width, uh, without alley access, they need a 25-foot front setback. So based on that, the preliminary plat does meet uh, the applicable required conditions. And then finally, when we talk about preliminary plats, you know, there are a number of things that we like to discuss, things such as streets and circulation, sidewalks, blocks, and lots. Uh, This Proposal does extend two streets covered wagon drive and sand prairie drive uh, and it includes stubs for future connectivity uh, Where they join there's a traffic roundabout, which is uh, for traffic calming in the future Uh, And it also creates a frontier loop off of sand prairie drive on the east side uh, Of the preliminary plat and that's the area where you see those lots that are less than 60 feet So they require the the wider setback uh, as far as sidewalks, we see five-foot sidewalks being, or being extended from existing stubs, and they stub out uh, at the end uh, of the subdivision, uh, in addition to an eight-foot sidewalk that extends along the north side of Covered Wagon Drive. So all of these provide opportunities for future connectivity, and the block lengths that we see are right in the city's sweet spot that we aim for, which is around 300 to 600 feet. Um In terms of open space that was satisfied as part of that 17 uh, acre sand prairie park that has already been dedicated to the city so when that was dedicated it it provides enough open space for all future uh, sand hill estate uh, development in terms of utilities and infrastructure uh, it's an easy location where it can can be provided and extended uh, with sanitary sewer tap fees uh, and water main extension fees being collected in final platting And then finally, for stormwater, there's one outlot, outlot A, which is provided for the purpose of a retention basin, and that's been reviewed by Public Works. Uh, So the preliminary plat does satisfy all those necessary subdivision uh, and zoning standards that you see. And I did wanna touch on that preliminary plat because it's a bit of an, or excuse me, on the outlot, because it's a bit of an unusual situation. So the, the outlot A does contain some sensitive features, including some wetlands and some hydric soils. Uh, but the city code in section 145I2C4 does exempt areas within man-made stormwater management facilities. So these sensitive features are not actually subject to our sensitive uh, areas ordinance, which allowed the development to to move forward as proposed. Uh, There was also an archaeological study that was conducted in 2002. Uh, That one ended uh, with a finding that, that no additional work was needed on the site. So in terms of next steps, as you can see, it's been a process starting with that 2004 preliminary PLAT and subsequent uh, PLATs that have occurred with the most recent in 2016. Uh, Should this be approved, um, then a final PLAT would come back to you in the future uh, for approval, and then there would be a final sensitive areas development plan and site plan that would be reviewed by staff, and then finally building permits would also be reviewed by staff. So based on a review of the relative or relevant criteria and subdivision codes, uh, staff does recommend approval without conditions. uh, And at their May 4th meeting, the Planning and Zoning Commission uh, concurred with staff's opinion by a vote of six to zero. Uh, The applicant did hold a good neighbor meeting on April 12th uh, and uh, got some feedback that way. Uh, That concludes staff's presentation. And I believe that the applicant is here to answer any questions
0: great any questions for kirk
5: i just have one on that that condition you mentioned with the i think the lot widths less than 60 feet require a 25 foot setback and the reason for that is what
15: uh, i believe that you typically see those on the bulb of cul-de-sacs and we have similar standards like that in our zoning code so I imagine that because this was 2004, just before the, the current zoning code was adopted, I imagine that that was incorporated to reflect the standards that we anticipated adopting.
5: So, so what, I'm just trying to understand, is there some practical reason for that 25 feet? Is that up to do with off-street parking? or
15: I would believe that it has to do with lot frontage, making sure that you have adequate space for a house.
5: Okay. Oh, I see.
15: And the further the setback, the wider it the is the on the bowl of cul-de-sac. Yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you.
15: Thank
0: you. And I don't know if the develop if the applicants have any comments or. Okay. Any questions, councilors? All right. Hearing none. Thank you for being here. Um, anyone from the public like to address this topic? so the attendees aren't coming up. Let me know if there's a hand raised. Okay. And council discussion, no one from the public wants to speak.
4: It, it's nice to see this proposal um, especially earlier we saw the the data that showed uh, very concerning significant drop in uh development of single family residences in in the area uh, so it's it's great to see that the plan is for eighteen residential homes and um, considering the surrounding areas i I know some people that live in the covered wagon area it uh, they're they're nice family homes i i they're not high end which I think we've seen a lot of that development which i don't personally think we need that many more of those we we always talk about affordable housing and this will be affordable probably to to middle-income folks it's still not to the bar of where we'd like uh lower income folks to be able to afford these homes but but still it'll be they'll be comfortable homes and uh add to our residential properties in the city so i'm i'm in favor of it
5: i wanted to thank kirk i I appreciate your presentation going through all the the line items that we we have to comply with it was a very thorough presentation thank you and I, i'll be supporting it although i must say i'm looking forward to some form-based code
2: applications <laughs>
18: yeah <laughs> yeah i will say the the, um, the applicant also owns a significant amount of property to the north and to the west surrounding weatherby park and we're um working very closely with them as they um you're gonna have to take a step back and master plan in their own way uh, with the form-based code so we're, we're excited to be working with them on the next phase and i think when that comes forward um uh i think the community and the council will be excited too
16: and thank you kirk for the um showing kind of how it fit in with the transect that was noted in the in the form-based code that was helpful to see
0: all right i think we're ready for roll call
7: taylor yes teague yes thomas yes weiner yes alter yes Fergus. yes harmson yes
0: motion passes seven to zero item number 10 is fiscal 2022 budget amendment public hearing resolution amending the current budget for fiscal year ending june 2022 and i'm going to open the public hearing and i'm going to w- welcome jacqueline Welcome.
20: Hello, Uh, Jacqueline Flagel, assistant finance director in the finance department, Um, talking about the third and final budget amendment for FY22. Um, Just kind of an overview of the budget process. The uh, FY22 budget was originally approved in March of 2021. The year runs from July 1st to June 30th. Uh, Previous amendments were in September of 2021 and then March of 22. Uh, City policy currently allows for amendments for emergent situations, transfers from contingencies, expenditures with offsetting revenues or fund balance, and then carry over or prior year budget authority. Um, We can amend any time other than the last 30 days of the fiscal year. So once we get into June, cannot do any more amendments and the city typically averages three amendments a year. So this is the third and final. Uh, This amendment consists of amendments to capital improvement plan projects, emergency type repairs, uh, the transfer of the tailwinds, affordable housing fee in lieu of to reimburse the general fund for purchase of the South District duplexes, um, a receipt of a bequest and then other small amendment items on the revenue side um, in the state form you see under miscellaneous is the a bequest and then donation and then transfers in is the 1.5 million of the transfer of the fee in lieu of uh, the other hand of expenditures uh, by the state program levels uh, co- uh, government capital projects as the cip amendments an engineering uh, consisting of engineering remodel, library railing, and then a patio, and then the other side of the transfer in that 1.5 million, and then the business type uh, expenditures are amendments to for a water main Clinton to Church, a uh, spiral heat exchange repair, and then landfill bird assessment. Um, the overall total impact to the Fund balance is a decrease of over $400,000. It's covered through excess fund balances and bonds and will not affect property tax levies. Um, Any questions you all have for me?
16: I'm just really intrigued by the bequest.
20: The (laughs) the bequest. Um, Was that allocated
16: for a specific (laughs) purpose or just to the city generally?
20: Um, So I'm not sure if it was for a specific purpose, but um, it was for the to the animal shelter um, and they are using it to help fund the um, construction catio? of their catio, oh, the catio. <laughs> along with a matching donation from the foundation.
16: Thank you.
0: Thanks. Nice. Thank you. All right. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? And let me know if anyone is online that want to speak seeing no one i'm going to close the public hearing can i get a motion to approve please
1: so moved Burgess. second weiner
0: all right council discussion
1: so i probably should have asked but i'm sort of and it's not going to change anything but i wonder what's a landfill bird assessment
18: uh we've had some complaints from neighboring property owners about um birds at the landfill um, which um, you might imagine my birds might congregate at a landfill Um, but but neighboring property owners have had concerns about the impact on their property so the the dnr the state uh, department of natural resource um, uh, required us to do a bird assessment which is basically to bring in a expert that can help us um identify the extent of the issue and and any solutions that may be required to help um, mitigate some of those uh some of those challenges. Thanks. That that's a good question. <laughs> the joys of owning a landfill. We could we could go for hours on it.
17: <laughs> I hope it's sort of a root cause thing as opposed to just yeah, the there's, there's all kinds not getting rid of the birds. Uh, but yeah, no, it, exactly. <laughs> the birds. It,
18: and, and there's so many variables. I mean, migratory patterns, you know, may change seasonally, and that could be, it could just be it was uh, um, uh, a different year in terms of migratory patterns because it's not something that, that has been a recurring issue year after year. Mm. It was a, a fairly new challenge for us.
0: All right. Any other comments? Roll call, please. Teague, yes
7: thomas yes weiner yes alter yes Burgess, yes harmson yes taylor yes
0: motion passes seven to zero item 11 utility rate public hearing resolution ordinance amending title three entitled finance taxation and fees chapter four entitled schedule of fees rates charges bonds fines and penalties article five entitled solid waste disposal can i get a motion to pass and adopt
16: So moved, Burgess. Second,
17: Alter.
0: Council discussion. uh, Let's go to public discussion first. Anyone from the public like to address this topic? If you're online, please raise your hand. Seeing no one. I'm going to close the public discussion and council discussion. Roll call, please.
7: Thomas? Yes. Weiner? Yes. Alter? Yes. Burgess. Yes. Harmson. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Teague.
0: Yes. Motion passes 7-0. to zero. Item 12 is council appointments. Applicants must reside in Iowa City and be 18 years of age unless specific requirements, unless specific qualifications are stated. 12A is airport commission. And we'll probably discuss all of the appointments together today. Sure. No, it's too many.
13: Yeah, there's so, <laughs>
0: there's so yeah I think we'll go. I Maybe
1: mean, we could do all the historic preservation yeah, together. Yeah, we'll do so.
13: that one.
0: Yeah, we'll do that together. Yes. Um, so we'll do. Air, we'll start with airport commission. And there is two vacancies to fill a four-year term, July 1, 2022 through June thirtieth, 2023. And this has a female requir- gender balance requirement.
1: And a none. The one female, and one
4: a
0: none. And, and a nun. yes.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, we happen to have um, two of the applicants are our current members and both of them, I always look at the attendance records and both of them have excellent record atten- of attendance. Um, so I would move to, to reappoint Warren Bishop and Judy Full.
5: i agree
1: i agree with those i mean the other person who is um who who could really bring something to it i think was ryan's story i would definitely agree with with reappointing judy because i think she filled a partial she Mm -hmm. she filled the position part way part way through so Mm -hmm. she hasn't yet served a full term
0: i think we've in the past tried to um, share opportunities with other people in the community if they've served a full term um, we do know the airport commission, there's a few commissions that are a little specialized, in, in, you know, in, in my opinion, um, that may have a little more technical <laughs> um, needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading through the, you know, application, I, I think I could agree with um, Ryan's story mm-hmm. as being appointed.
17: He was one who stood up to me as well. Um, and I was thinking along the same lines that I know that actually we had a really robust kind of pool of applicants for several commissions but um it did seem to me that kind of in the spirit of how commissions have done before that to to kind of share the opportunities so i would be perfectly fine with gerald as well um but um if we're thinking along or i'm sorry
0: you're thinking warren, it, warren. Yes, I apologize. So Ryan, I apologize. Ryan, yeah. Ryan sorry. Yeah.
17: yeah. Yes. Anyway, I'm going to stop speaking, but I just.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
17: <laughs> but no, I'm fine with Warren again, but um, if we want to kind of share the wealth, then I would also recommend, I would recommend Ryan.
4: I, I agree with that. I mean, he's a commercial pilot, but I, I also think that it is important also for just continuance on on a border commission to, to have that knowledge base that uh, that Mr. Bishop has with that. Uh, I, I believe we got a letter saying that Ryan would be if we don't select the other two that he would be good. Uh, so I think you know keeping him for further uh, consideration. Um, when openings come up again, I think he would probably, he's young and uh, gonna be in the community, he'd probably still be cons- interested in, in serving.
0: So I do hear three, and um, I, I hear three for Ryan so far and two for Warren.
5: I, I supported Warren and uh, Judy. Okay. And
17: I, I did as Warren well. And Judy.
0: So I hear a three and a three. For
17: I can switch, that's fine.
0: Okay,
19: I was just gonna say, I think I agree with Pauline's take. I think okay. it's great to have this problem to have some really good candidates, um, but it does make some sense for the continuity. And again, the way commissions work, we periodically have somebody, so you know, p- openings pop up. And so, um, I think you know, hopefully they're listening or, or we'll be watching this, and that, that Ryan will keep their application in. Um, you know, for that, I think that would be. Um, reasonable to me as well
0: all right any other comments on this we will appoint warren bishop reappoint warren warren bishop and Judith the to the airport commission all right we're going to move on to you the to vote on that oh uh, well all right. we can just <laughs> we can do it all at one time
7: do it in mm-hmm. bulk yeah, yeah sure. that's fine. If you want to, we need a vote at some point, but if, right. if you,
0: yeah, yeah, we'll do it all at one time. All right. We're going to move on to item 12 B, which is board of appeals. This is one vague City to fill a five year term, January 1st, 2022 through December 31st, 2026. And this is a non gender balance requirement. And we only had one applicant. Right
1: for a building design professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. For a building design professional, I, I presume an architect qualifies. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe it
4: said after three months that doesn't that doesn't apply. Is that true with this as well as gender balance? That it can uh, be anyone.
1: I want to say with with the specialized, um, it's either a build, building design professional or with some experience.
7: Eric. Yeah, it says a building design professional or a qualified trade representative with experience and training. Is that what you're asking? Yes, yeah. thank you.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And Thomas. I would think Mac- an
1: architect qualifies. McEnry. Yeah, building architect, design, yeah. Right,
4: yeah. right. Sold. Yeah. Although it, the balance is odd, one female and three males currently, so I'd love to see a female, but we didn't have female applicants, So, and they, they need someone. So I, I would say I'm fine with Thomas Mac-
16: I agree.
0: Yeah, seeing nods, nods of head of the majority. So we will appoint Thomas McClarny for the Board of Appeals uh, building design professional. We're going to move on to a few that we may. Well, we can take them all one by one still even here. So we'll do 12C Historic Preservation Commission at large. And this one,
1: Mayor, and if I can point out the other at Brown Street and Summit Street, each just have one applicant that are both (laughs) females. So, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, okay. All right, so we may have some challenges. Um, there, with we won't have enough. We don't have enough no. applicants for the openings for the fine. Jefferson Street, but
1: well, for the for the but three but for that we large. have, we have one for at large. I mean, we have some for at large, one for Brown Street and one for Summit. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct.
19: I was looking yes. at that two Mayor with the uh, with the two Brown Street and Summit Street that we only had one applicant. But again, those are fairly specialized, and I thought both applicant—I mean, I was impressed with both applications. So, okay. so normally I, I kind of would do that, even with our last one that had that specialized. Normally, one applicant doesn't scream, make a decision with just one applicant. But some of the circumstances here, and in this case, I was—you know—I was also really impressed with their applications. So, awesome. So All I would right. be comfortable with with those with those on on those two. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. We'll talk about uh, 12C, which is going to be Historic Preservation Commission at large, mm-hmm. and so um, since they're all female, oh, um, we have to appoint a female. It,
1: it, I mean, I would be fine. Uh, I would be fine with either, based on their applications, with either Laura Routh or uh, Jordan Sellegrand, who's the incumbent. Both are females. Both seem to have. Um, a reasonable amount of either interest or expertise. I don't know if we want to reappoint or we want to have somebody new in. In which case, we wanted somebody new, then we would could be looking at Laura Routh, for example.
11: Mm-hmm.
19: And not to complicate, but I thought that uh, Talitha also had a, a pretty strong application. That was. I had I heard. It and as well. I would. I would definitely. I would also. Uh, so in, in my mind. Um, uh, Jordan Seligrin and Talitha jumped out at me, so, mm-hmm. so some overlap there. If, that, if that's helpful.
1: Right. I don't. I mean, and the other thing that I look at, and I don't know to the extent that people are really paying att- still pay attention, but some of the, some of these applications are, are a year old, um, and, uh, and the last two are pretty are almost brand new. The the Ralph and Seligrin application was brand new. The 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 others are from um, June 21 and July 21
0: i can respect that um logic that they're old and um, but the city clerk does send out emails to each individual um letting them know that we're going to be voting and this is going to be coming before council so individuals have that opportunity to say remove my name if they're not interested so i do think we should you know at least for our conversation treat them as if they're interested yeah. And and if it, if we learn that they're not, which we have in the past, you know, um, that has been a long time they didn't notice the email, we've had to revote. Um, I, I am a little um, partial to always looking at new voices and new opportunities. Um, so Talitha speaks to me, but I can go wherever people want to go. With either of the ones that's been suggested so far.
16: Yeah, I like Talitha and Jordan Selengrin. Those were the two that jumped out at me.
5: hmm I, I I like newness. I also like continuity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 um, uh, Jordan you. Jordan made, was my preference
4: i also like jordan as i said before i always look at the attendance and she had excellent attendance i don't think she'd missed a meeting and i i think that shows dedication and that that would be Uh, good to have her continue on there for the at-large position
0: all right it sounds like we have majority for jordan seligran for the historic preservation commission at large (laughs) We are moving on to item number 12D, which is the Historic Preservation Commission Brown Street. Historic Preservation Commission Brown Street has one vacancy to fill a three year term, July 1st, 2022, through June 30th, 2025.
16: I think we should go with the one applicant. Yeah. <laughs> Christina Whaley- And she Reynolds. lives on Brown Street. So
0: I, yeah,
5: she I was lives really, really thrilled to see. Uh, Chris Willow Reynolds uh, applied for this position. She's very passionate about the neighborhood, about historic preservation, but she also has experience doing renovations, so she understands that game as well.
0: All right, majority for Christina Willow Reynolds for Historic Preservation Commission Brown Street. And then we're moving on to Item number 12E is the Historic Preservation Commission Summit Street. Historic Preservation Commission Summit Street has one vacancy to fill a three year term July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2025. And again, we have one applicant.
1: Who also seems well qualified mm-hmm.
4: and lives yeah.
0: on Summit Street, right? All right.
1: Via Nueva is how she said
4: she pronounced her name. How, how was Via, that? Via Nueva.
0: Via Nueva. Via Nueva. Via Nueva. All right. So Nicole Via Nueva will be, um, has majority support for Historic Preservation Commission Summit Street. <coughs> Move it on to 12F Housing, Community and Development Commission housing community and development commission three vacancies to fill a three-year term july 1st 2022 through june 30th 2025
1: one female one male one none
0: yeah we have three positions one female one male and one none i'll just throw out
16: oh go ahead mayor
0: go go right ahead
16: i was just going to start our oh, names <laughs>
0: before we do that i have to make mention that um tanya moore should have not been in our packet because she's over one year um, we will find out why oh. the name wasn't removed from the system so we cannot um, consider tanya moore
16: i was just going to suggest marianne dennis jennifer haylett and zachary slocum that was
5: the three people that, uh, that i was had my, yep. my list as well
0: so yeah. marianne dennis Zari, zachary slocum mm-hmm. and which was your
16: jennifer haylett jennifer haylett
0: okay
18: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. i'm seeing a majority yeah. for those three and we have our uh, balance according to the requirements so based on what she said uh, we will Um, make that appointment for the Housing and Community Development Commission. We are on to 12G, which is the Library Board of Trustees. One vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment through June 30th, 2027. And this um, has one female, I'm sorry, um, just one male.
17: I would throw out John Rayburn, or sorry, put him throw into the out. ring. <laughs> Not throw out. Opposite. I would throw, throw out. In. Ah, I'm just going to s- start it over. I think that John Rayburn would be an excellent choice. I, I like John Rayburn. I, I liked what he
4: said that uh, libraries are a, a jewel in the city's crown. I like that. So I, I think he would be good although it was tough there were good applicants
19: it was real tough and it, <laughs> yeah. i'll tell you as commensurate with a city of literature mm-hmm. uh and considering the attacks that libraries are on in the, under in this state the fact that we had a pool of people ready to step into that position i mean that speaks i think really well of our community I would agree. the other
1: person that i was very interested in is, that is daniel smith
5: I, I like them both, too. Actually, well. I
4: liked him, too. He has a mm-hmm. lot of I actual
1: training in, li- in, in library science and so forth.
0: So far, I've heard John and Daniel. Yeah.
17: I think those are the only two men. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So then, I think I've heard three for John so far.
16: Can you go, John.
0: And, and I can support John. So we have a majority for John Rayburn for a library trust of.
4: I would encourage Daniel Smith to keep his hat in the ring and and keep an eye on openings. He he would also be very good.
0: Yes. So uh, for the library board of trustees, we will appoint Daniel Smith.
4: No, John Rayburn.
0: Oh, sorry.
4: I confused you. I
0: confused you. I'm sorry. I, (laughs) I just heard you say the name. John Rayburn. All right, we're on to 12H is Planning and Zoning Commission. Planning and Zoning Commission one vacancy to fill a five-year term. And this has no um, uh, gender requirement. I have to tell you again that Doug Butro' application is over a year old, so we cannot consider that. Mm.
1: Then I'd suggest Maggie Elliott.
9: It
1: sure. yep. also filled in an unexpired term and um I like what she said about it being it actually a really a really positive learning experience, learn it as
5: yeah. sort of on I, the job I appreciated already. that she not only learned from her con- commissioners but followed up on these right. yeah. applications mm-hmm. with council comment
13: Yep, I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: And I can support Maggie. It sounds like we have majority uh, support from maggie elliott for the Planning and zoning commission all right we are
1: <laughs> we're there
0: <laughs> i think i got it i think i have it okay oh you you have it
7: i was i just want to make sure that someone was going to make a motion for those maybe that's okay. what you were about to read mr mayor yes. vote. okay great
0: yes so <laughs> can i get a motion to appoint no, this is where you have to check me. <laughs> Warren Bishop, Judith Foal, Ryan Story to the Airport Com- Commission. No,
1: there's only two. 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 Warren, Warren Bishop. Bishop and Judy Fole.
0: Right. Oh, yes. Warren Bishop and Judith Foal to the Airport Commission. For the Board of Appeals Building Design Professional, Thomas McLareny. To the historic preservation Com- to the Historic Preservation Commission at Large, Jordan Slergin Sle- Sle- Grin, S- Sellergrin, yep. to the Historic Preservation Commission Brown Street, Christina Willow Reynolds, Historic Preservation Preservation Commission Summit Street, Nicole Villanueva. Housing and Community Development Commission, D- Marianne Dennis, Jennifer Hallett, and Zachary Slocum. Library por- Board of Trustees, John Rayburn. And uh, Planning and Zoning Commission, Maggie Elliott. So could I get a motion, please?
1: So moved. Second, Taylor.
0: Moved by Weiner, seconded by Taylor. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes seven to zero. We made it through. All right. <laughs> we are at item number 13, announcement of vacancies new. Applicants must reside in Iowa City and be 18 years of age unless specific required qualifications are stated. Climate Action Com- Commission one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Upon appointment through December 31st, 2023. Correspondence included in council packet. Human Rights Commission one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment through December 31st, 2023. Parks and Recreation Commission one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment through December 31st, 2025. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, July 5th, 2022. Can I get a motion to accept correspondence?
16: So moved, Burgess. Second, Taylor.
0: All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes 7 to 0. Item number 14 is announcements of vacancies previous. Applicants must reside in Iowa City and be 18 years of age unless specific qualifications are stated. Civil Service Commission, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment through April 7th, 2025. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. Senior Center Commission, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. Airport Zoning Board of Adjustment. One vacancy to fill a 5-year term. Airport zoning commission Iowa City representative. One vacancy to fill a 6-year term. Historic preservation Commission East College Street. One vacancy to fill a 3-year term. Historic preservation commission Jefferson Street. One vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Historic preservation commission Jefferson Street. One vacancy to fill a 3-year term. Public art advisory committee one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Public Art Advisory Committee, one vacancy to fill an unexpired term. Vacancies will remain open until filled. And we're at item number 15, which is City Council information. So any upcoming events, meetings? Anything you've attended?
1: Well, upcoming, we're doing the the um, the Public Works Open House is this Saturday, and we're doing a series of rolling um, uh, the council forums.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Will you be on roller skates?
16: At roller skates? Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it, You can do that. So, Maybe. yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you're serious. The one time I've
19: had a cast was from roller skating. Uh oh. So, so, n- so no, no wheels on this guy. Uh
1: huh. So are we supposed to take questions while roller skating? <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs>
17: Um, actually I also have, um, I do bet more than myself are going, but, um, the downtown district is having their annual meeting on Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. So that should be cool. It's going to be in the chance at the Chauncey park. And then, um, little bit of a plug cause my girl is doing it, but it's also, it is an amazing community event. Um, the girls on the run are having their 5k on Sunday at, um, Oh, my gosh. Now I'm blanking on the park. I can see it. It's our wonderful new park Riverfront down by Crossing. Big Grove. Thank you. Thank you, Riverfront Crossing. That's the, the beginning of it at 1130. So anyway, it's going to be a big weekend. Roller skating, run jogging,
1: And the picnicking. farmer's market's been great so far. Yes. Oh. Very, very well attended.
5: I had an, an opportunity over the weekend to see the uh, Red Cedar Chaper Music. Um, Quartet, I believe. At least that's how they were playing that night. They are an outstanding um, entity of uh, music. (laughs) They were accompanying uh, uh, silent films from the Brinton Collection, uh, which is also a fascinating body of work and that combination, which I after we saw them in Cedar Rapids, we watched the Saving Brinton film, the documentary, which came out four, maybe four years ago. Which is a wonderful expression of things Iowa. I mean, it's really a remarkable film, very inspiring. And they played in that documentary as well, so it was sort of interesting to see them there. But I highly recommend them, they're a really fine, fine musical group.
0: Tomorrow we have our 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. strategic planning. At
19: nine. 30 oh
0: 930 oh extra 30 minutes perfect <laughs> I had it to be there at night for myself so I won't be late all right so we have a little homework for that and there's a lot of opportunity for us to uh, really uh, great uh, set a nice vision for our community if no more comments we will go um, to reports from the city manager's office.
18: Uh, just real quick on the public works open house, I had previously communicated to you that we were going to do a ribbon cutting uh, for the um, uh, for the building at 12:30. Uh, we decided to scrap those plans uh, there's just so much on the agenda um, that we didn't think we could we could do it justice and do it the right way so we're not going to do the building um, uh, ribbon cutting so don't plan your day around that necessarily If you can stop by anytime between eight and five that would be uh, fantastic We'll have uh, all kinds of activities and vehicles on display for you
0: yep and there'll be listening sessions from. I think it's nine to eleven. Yeah. I'm doing nine. Um nine uh, and ten thirty. Nine and ten thirty. It's gonna be a Mayor Pro Tem alter and then I'm doing twelve to two. And then we have Councillor Weiner doing three thirty to five.
1: Yes. you get to engage with a four-year-old at the same time (laughs) yes
0: all right we're going to go on to our city attorney's office
7: Uh, nothing for me today thank you mayor all
0: right and what about the city clerk for me great item number 17 redmond we're now doing um like city manager's office oh, okay and Just so yeah we combined it. we're
18: going to shave these meeting times
19: down oh
0: yeah oh, Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: and that's that's Three where the problem minutes. was so,
0: so so he'll still get his comments in when he has some
3: right
0: <laughs> he's not short of words if you ever had that one-on-one with them <laughs> all right item number 17 can i get a motion to adjourn
4: so moved taylor second,
0: second. all right i'm going to give uh um, moved by Teller, seconded by Weiner. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? We are adjourned for the evening.